Hey folks, Season 3, Episode 17 of the AppSec Podcast. On this episode, Robert interviews Megan Roddy at the Source Conference in Boston on the topic of neurodiversity and security. I think there's a lot of things that we can all learn and take away from this topic, so we hope you enjoy and pay close attention. The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hello, folks. This is Robert, and I'm at the Boston Source Conference in Boston, uh, continuing uh, this week and meeting with people here that are speaking on various topics. Uh, it's been a great conference. It's one of my favorites. And one of the reasons I, I like it so much is I get to meet uh, new people, typically, in security that are coming in and, and talking about various topics, uh, very interesting topics. And in particular today, I'm, I'm speaking with uh, Megan uh, Roddy, she is uh, coming in to uh, to talk to us about some interesting things. Uh, so, Megan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Good to meet you. So, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, first of all. Um, you know, what brought you here to, to speak to today? So, uh, I'm a security analyst. Right now, I'm working for a small MSSP, uh, doing consulting and stuff. And I am doing a talk that I try to give as, at as many conferences as I can. I speak on neurodiversity as it applies to information security and specifically including individuals with uh, high-functioning autism and other uh, disorders in the cybersecurity industry as employees uh, because of the skills that they bring that are unique to those individuals. Okay, great, great. Um, To get started, and we'll dive into that a little bit more about your talk and and, uh, what it's about, but what I wanted to do is also just understand one of the things we first ask people is, you know, how did you get into security? Mind telling us your story on that? Yeah, I kind of uh, fell into it. I did my undergraduate degree in mathematics. I started my graduate degree in digital forensics, wanting to do, you know, the the uh, CSI stuff and break into bad guys' computers and find the evidence. And that's still all really cool to me, but I... Um, I needed something to do one summer. I got an email from a teacher about an internship in Austin, which wasn't too far from where I lived. Um, and it was for cybersecurity, but I was like, cyber, digital, it's all the same. I need something to do. So, And it was a paid internship, so that was sounding pretty good. So I went ahead, applied. I got the got the internship. It was work and things that I'd never done, never learned before, but immediately fell in love with doing it. Uh, incident response, cybersecurity, defensive stuff, and blue teaming. And then summer ended, and they had an employee leaving, which means they needed a new one, and I already had one foot in the door, and I was lucky enough to get a position there full-time, and so then I ended up in cyber. Okay, great. And so, again, just to... Uh Go back to what you were talking about here at this conference, uh, titled Strengthen Your SecOps Team by Leveraging uh, Neurodiversity. So tell me about that. You mentioned, uh, in particular, focusing on uh, those who have uh, high-functioning autistic, uh, or, th- or I guess label that way or, or describe that way, yeah. maybe is a better way to say it. Um, tell me about that, first of all. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so... Um 
I have Asperger's syndrome, which is kind of a form of high-functioning autism, and I noticed that there's not a, there's a large number of individuals with Asperger's or autism, or even the reason I say neurodiversity is because the overarching theme of my talk, though I focus due to personal experience on autism, this really applies to anyone who thinks differently and acts differently, who has anxiety, bipolar, depression, like... They have their weaknesses, and that's typically what they're labeled with, but the the benefits that they can provide to a security team are too large to ignore just because you don't want to deal with some hardships. And so I decided to speak from my experience and, and kind of I also provide evidence of other companies who have said, like, this works, like, this isn't, we don't mind dealing with what would be seen as problems to get the benefits so since a lot of people with autism and anxiety don't want to public speak, can't public speak, it's just not a situation they're comfortable in, I kind of like doing it. So I figured, you know, I can, I can at least give my, my thoughts and at least have one voice out there talking about it. Okay, great. So in, in terms of, you mentioned some characteristics or things that they can bring, um, I guess, value, if you will, to the table that maybe others can't. What are some of those things in particular? Yeah, so um, probably one of my strengths. So uh, quick learning is a really big one. Um, I I can learn pretty much anything I'm told to learn, and I can do it quickly. Um, So wherever I am lacking skills, it's not hard for me to pick that those skills up. And then High productivity, I, I have some statistics in my talk that they, they've actually measured this at companies that have autism at work programs, but I and others with high-functioning autism can be like three times more productive than the average employee just in terms of work output. So I tend to complete more work than can be produced. So it gets to the point where people aren't de- drowning in work, they're drowning in the task of giving me something I work on. Um, and then the, the the passion I see is pretty amazing too. Like me, like it's it's not just me. I've seen it across all the all the individuals I've spoken to with autism and IT who just love it, love to learn. Like we do this outside of work. We it's not something where it's a job and we have to go. And and that's present in like a, a large amount of the infosec community. But I, I see it heavily in the neurodiverse community. Yeah, well, I can attest to that as well in, in, in my own experience and you know, my own uh, drive and passion and desire to learn. Um, I found that to be beneficial. I can see that as well for, for someone who uh, may be described as uh, HFA is uh, having that focus, having that drive, mm-hmm. having that passion, I think would be a really good benefit. Uh, what are some of the uh, counter things that, that they, people say, well, maybe I have concerns about this in terms of hiring this person? Um, so just like there's, because the word disability is attached to it, like, especially from a hiring standpoint, like all the things you have to think about, about like all the stigmas of its disability and we have to deal with all this stuff and compliance and adjustments and all these things that, that just really it's not that big a deal. All of it more comes down to less about actual like financial adjustments needed or workplace adjustments needed and more to more like um, understanding is really where it comes from is like we, we behave differently, we think differently and you need to adjust to that. It's it's not really that there's this huge uh, adjustment, physical adjustment needing to be made. So 
Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. And I actually have some personal investment in this. I uh, mentioned to you a moment ago uh, before we started that I have um, family members. I have a son who has slight autism. Um, he was diagnosed many years ago. And I know he's gone through some challenges over the years. Uh, I have uh, another a stepson that uh, had Asperger's. Uh, he was diagnosed, and he had some challenges as well and, and continues you know, in, his, in his adult life now. Um, so I've seen it. You know, I, I've seen you know, some of the things that they've gone through as well. Uh, but I, I'm curious about in terms of, and, and maybe even our listeners might have family members or friends or coworkers uh, who maybe have these kinds of things that they're, they're trying to understand. How do they relate to those people? What are some recommendations in terms of working with people um, and, and identifying how can I help, how can I uh, be open to yeah, it's it's really about just understanding there's a different way of thinking and not being easily offended because I'll say a lot of things that would offend people and you have to understand like what I'm saying isn't meant to offend you. It may be that I'm just blunt and I'm saying what I think and you know, a lot of people who don't have the social deficits I do, they don't say what they think. They say what's appropriate to say in a situation. Um, so, so kind of that understanding like that I'm, I, I interpret social situations and interpersonal relationships differently than other people do. Um, so it's, it's a lot of patience and understanding and working it with the in individuals. And as this talk d discusses, like focusing on their benefits and not focusing on their disabilities. So that's really the whole theme of it is don't, don't focus on the weaknesses because if you focus on the benefits, you'll see it outweighs everything else. Great recommendation. Yeah, and that's what I've done as well. I, uh, with my own sons and and focusing on on their um, strengths and and things that they do and and, and so forth. So uh, that's great advice for anybody, really, just mm -hmm. to, to to relate. And so, in terms of managers who are maybe, uh, how do I how do I um, uh, what do I do in terms of uh, maybe looking for those that um, would be interested in the kinds of jobs, security jobs, application security, or, or other related information security, uh, what should they be doing in, in terms of reaching out? Uh, so the first thing I say is that as a whole, like not even just to attract um, uh, neurodiverse individuals, but this is a key point of it, is the information security industry needs to do a better job at writing job postings we epically fail. Like you're asking for people who have 10 years experience in windows 10, like, right. you, like there's literally job posts that are impossible, but even like a lot of these individuals struggle. Like I did well in school, but you'll also find a lot of individuals with autism or anxiety or depression or bipolar that couldn't go to college, just didn't have the social skills or, you know, the skills to sit in a classroom for eight hours a day for four years. So the fact that like we have so many and it's getting better. I've seen it get better, but right now, like we're still in that mindset of you have to have a four year degree plus 10 years experience to get entry level position. Like I think that fixing the job postings I talk about in my talk, like when, when I look at those things and when other autistic individuals look at those things, we, we take words very literally. And while some people may be able to look at a job posting and they're like, well, it says for a four-year degree, but, you know, I have a two-year degree and I've got all this extra experience they're not requesting, so they may consider that equal. Like, I don't look at that. I, I see a job listing as a checklist, and 
the checklists in the industry right now are not feasible. Like there's, especially with this kind of community, you're not going to find people who have tons of experience plus a huge educational background. It's making it so difficult for, uh, individuals, especially like high functioning autistics. A lot of the ones I talked to, uh, trying to get into cybersecurity, like they're self learners and they're really, really sharp individuals and they have the passion and they have the drive and they're willing to learn everything. They have learned a ton, but their resume doesn't show that they've been in the industry. It doesn't show they've been studying, but like if you put them in front of a keyboard, they could prove themselves. So it's kind of like getting in that mindset of a checklist job posting isn't what's going to bring you a team of individuals that are diverse and uh, can, can really build a strong team. So the checklist where it's very precise actually can be a deterrent, right? Yeah. Because you, you may read it as, well, it says 10 years. Yes. I don't have 10 years. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to apply for it. Yeah, that. as an autistic individual, I see. I see the word requirement. Requirement means has to have. Mm-hmm. And so it says a year experience. Well, I've only got nine months, so that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or like I'll take every word literally. And so it's like, oh, well, this background in system administration. Well, I was technically never in a job role that had the title system administrator, so I don't have that experience. Whereas other people may look in and be like, well, I wasn't in a sysadmin role, but through my other job in the help desk I did some jobs that involved sysadmin so like I, I don't make those leaps I read the word for word and that's what individuals with autism do they take it a lot more literally so you have to kind of think about your phrasing and how to make job posts um, appeal to the right type of people that you're trying to get not the checklist uh, okay. perfect resume write up okay makes sense and then once on board um, any um, suggestions recommendations for managers and in, in, in working uh, with staff uh, that might be HFA. Yeah, I think my slide basically says forget how you manage your neurotypical employees. You need to pretty much start from the base up, learn about your employees. Um, I encourage a lot of bi-directional communication. Uh, communication is hard for autistic individuals, but um, they they don't like, I don't know what I don't know. So if I'm doing something that you're offended by, I may not know you're being offended because to me, I'm just behaving the way that I think is normal. What I think is normal may be inappropriate to you. So you just getting frustrated and punishing me, especially when I don't know what it is, isn't going to do me any good. So there's a lot of communication there, or even though it may be difficult to communicate, it's better for you to tell me like, hey, you cannot do this like stop that then and then just like getting mad and punishing me or stuff like that so um I'm willing to learn and adjust because you know I want to get fired as much as you want to fire me like I I don't want that to happen so if you tell me I'm doing something wrong then I'm gonna fix it just like if some another neurotypical employee does something wrong they may know it's wrong and you know but if they're told to stop they'll stop so it's just making sure that uh, keeping that communication open but then autistic individuals who are who are not great at communicating need to practice those skills of going to their manager and if they're struggling in a situation we also need to stop sucking it up and saying, oh, well, I'll deal with it because I've done that myself. And that's part of the reason I talk about this. I'm learning that I can't do that. I can't just sit in a corner and be like, well, I don't, I can't do it this way, but they're making me. So I'll just be upset and frustrated and be miserable. Instead, we need to learn like our managers are there. Like 
ideally, obviously there's bad company culture, but ideally our managers are there to support us and be leaders. And so we need to learn that we need to be able to go to them and say, hey, like you, I've been in this situation. It's not ideal for me due to my, my autism. Like I, I can't think that way. I can't operate in that situation. How can we resolve this? So okay. I've been encouraging communication in both directions a lot. I was going to say, uh, communication is what it sounds like. A lot mm-hmm. of good communication, yeah. more precise in some yep. cases, uh, not taking things for granted, yep. not assuming. Yep. And so those, exactly. those are uh, great recommendations and suggestions. Well, this is great, Megan. I really appreciate yep. the time uh, to speak to you. Do you have any last uh, thoughts or comments you'd like to give to our listeners? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I've I've been really overwhelmed since I started speaking the positive feedback. I kind of do this. Uh, I mean, I do it for others, but also, you know, I, I'm I'm here because I want to be here. And if people don't like my talk, I don't really care too much. But the fact that I see people and they'll be like, "Oh, I saw your talk online," and I'm like, "Oh, great!" <laughs> like uh, when I originally started, I kind of hoped it'd be a flop and that I'd never do it again, and it'd be dumb. But it went well, and so now I do it again. So, uh, just kind of a general thank you to the community for supporting this. I'll be uh, at Beside San Antonio um, in June, and then hopefully I'll be in Vegas at either DefCon or Black Hat in August. So. Okay. Hopefully great. I'll see well, people hopefully there. some yep. people will come by and say hello. Yep. Okay. Sure. Well, thanks again, Megan, yep. and enjoy the rest of your conference. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Bourne and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.